Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a Radiligion Broadcasting premiere podcast, Damn You Hollywood, and here's your host, Robert Winfrey, yay! Hey. What One of these days, one of us is actually going to get a Kermit puppet when you say that we're actually going to like wave it on the screen, like, yay! I will appreciate that greatly when it happens. I think if I can get my camera to uh, stand higher, what I'll do is I'll actually do it standing and then run off camera. Yay! <laughs> uh, anyway. That'll certainly be something. <laughs> uh, hello, everyone. My name is Robert Winfrey. Mark Radlich introduced me. And the other voice you hear, if you're listening to this in the audio-only format, is that of Alexis Haina joining us for this particular episode once again. Everybody, how are we doing? Doing okay? Everybody survived Thanksgiving? Miraculously, yes. Now, if I can get through Christmas, that's another story. I, you were uh, telling me yesterday that you are just swimming in dough like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> You've got orders coming in left and right. You are uh, you are selling the world your wares. You have taken over. Like the I actually, ha- I actually had to convers- have a conversation with my uh, the manager at our post office today because I was only able to get a handful of orders mailed out before mm-hmm. I went to see Encanto because I haven't had a chance to see it yet. And I, she was like, "So where's all the other?" I'm like, oh, "They're coming tomorrow." And she actually said, "Do us a favor, come between these hours." Hours because we will be guaranteed to have a couple of employees because much like unfortunately many places the USPS or US Postal Service is uh, facing serious staffing shortages mm-hmm. and uh, there have been a lot of times where they've had to either have one person working there only or they've actually had to shut down uh, for an hour or two just so they can take a lunch break and she was like do me a favor it's like come between these hours so we know there are two people working there so if a huge line builds up because we're dealing with all your stuff we don't have other empl- other you know, customers threatening to freaking riot. That's funny. Because apparently, yeah, that happens a lot this time of year. I, yeah, you know what? All year long, I listened to the Jim Cornette podcast, and he, you know, and he like you can't imagine why. <laughs> and he like you um, has his own business where he sells his T-shirts and his books and the DVDs that he's made and whatnot, action figures, and he just mails all that stuff out himself. And he, you know, he talks about how even in Kentucky his little podunk part of Kentucky, he uh, he has a hard time at the post office because even during like the pandemic, it would it would get busy. And, um, you know, around, and you come in and like you. The point <laughs> is, is he has so much stuff to mail out. It takes him forever because he's only, he's doing it all by his lonesome. Say, ladies and gentlemen, please, as we come across or come into this holiday season, please note that our postal employees are working as hard as they actually can. They are facing serious staffing shortages due to COVID and other unrelated things. And, there may be a chance your holiday packages don't get there on time. It's not their fault. They're working as hard as they can. Don't take it out on them. My uh, Long story we have... short, be nice to Santa. That too. <laughs> that too. Uh, just real quick, speaking of the post office, we're, we, have to, we have to redo our passports. We're going to the Dominican Republic for a week. And I'm going nice. to leave Robert in charge of the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network. And I'm sure when I come back, it'll all be kindling. Um, you will have, <laughs> look, you, you are going to come back to that series of letters uh, of messages that Homer gives Mr. Burns when he's his assistant. I was the thinking more of that illegally... scene from, I was thinking more of that scene from Futurama when Hermes takes the recreation. It's like the ship's been repossessed and Zoidberg's getting overcooked. 
<laughs> I have a message for you, sir. Is it about is it about my cube? Yeah. Like, your car is illegally <laughs> parked. You have five minutes you have ten minutes to move your car. You have five minutes to move your car. Your car has been towed. Your car is being held in an impound lot. You have ten minutes to claim it or it will be turned into a cube. You have ten minutes to claim your cube. So Bernie, do you have a phone call? Is it about my cube? Like that that's the series of missives you're going to get. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn off my my um messenger and I'm gonna come back. And it's going to be, you know, messages from Robert and Sean Garmer going. Now, look, we didn't know that Robert threatening to kill most of Hollywood was going to cause this many community violations. But we are now banned from YouTube and Somalia. We don't know how Robert managed that. Look, they can't ban. Somalia would have to have a functioning government before they could ban me. Oh, for God's sake. No. I like how that's the part of the joke you keyed in on. So, and hang on, look. What am I going to say about YouTube's bizarre standards and how they inconsistently apply them? It's true. <laughs> All right. There's, there's hey. nothing else to say. Hey, about don't that. we have a movie to talk about tonight? Eventually. Yeah, let's we get to it. Encanto. The latest Disney picture came out. That's what we'll be discussing this evening. It is Encanto, uh, Disney's 60th, I believe, animated feature. It right. is. They actually had a special graphic for that. They did. It was nice. And this one. Uh, in their latest effort to continue their inclusive standards, this one is set in the jungles of Colombia, the country, not the district. So, yeah, that's our inspiration. It drew a little bit of um, notice by being primarily written uh, musically by Lin Wenmel Miranda, who we'll wind up discussing at some at some length here because, well, you can't help it when we're talking about this film. It's a musical. So any anything we want to say else before I get into the plot or are we good where we are? Um, I want to ask Alexis. Um, I know you and I talked about In the Heights earlier in the year. Myself and Elizabeth Faust just talked about Tick, Tick, Boom. We skipped over Vivo. Uh, and I know that in our talking about In the Heights, you know, we, we, you had brought up Hamilton. So I got a I'm curious. Uh, you, you, know, you had seen the trailers for this. Were you excited about this? Were you excited about, yay, another Lin-Manuel Miranda project? Or, you know, it was this kind of like, eh, it's, you know, it's another Disney thing. Because I'll tell you, for myself, I know I said earlier in the year when Raya came out that I prefer the Disney musicals to the straight Disney adventure stories. Um, and, I, and I saw the trailers for this one. And I have to say, I I ended up really, really enjoying it, but I can't say I was excited. It just, I, I'm, when I say that, not that I was disinterested or anything like that. It was just kind of, I looked at the trailer, I saw what it was, and I went, I'll see it with my kids when it comes out. But this is one where I'm not, like, I'm not filled with anticipation for it. It just kind of is another thing we're doing. How did you feel about it? Kind of the same way. I am a big fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda, but I'm not starstruck by him. Mm -hmm. I don't go, oh my God, it's Lin-Manuel Miranda. I have to see this. I see that he's doing the music and I go, okay, awesome. Because he also did Moana, which is actually my favorite of the mm -hmm. uh, recent Disney films. Well, one of recent Disney musical films, I should say. Mm -hmm. uh, that up there with Big Hero 6, uh, which I, I don't think you can compare the two really. So... Yeah, I was excited about that. Um, I always get happy about seeing uh, Disney animated films, especially the ones that come out around Thanksgiving. This is usually when Disney throws their A card out. This is when they've got the big, big, 
awards contender, money maker, let's go take the kids to see this after we're done Christmas shopping mm-hmm. kind of a film. This is the one that all the family goes together to see after uh, the holiday dinners. It's like, so what do we do? Do we want to sit around for an hour and talk to each other? Oh, screw that. No, let's go to the movies. So this is usually when we get to see, honestly, the best of the best mm-hmm. from Disney. It's, a high, it's usually a high earner. The Whatever they have slated for November, yeah. the Thanksgiving weekend. I mean, in years past, it was the two Frozen movies. It was Moana. Um, I, I think last year, obviously, they didn't do anything because of COVID. But generally speaking, the November Thanksgiving Disney feature, musical or otherwise, draws a billion dollars. So I, I was curious to see how this one was going to do. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the the conditions we, under which it was released yeah. when we get to the because, money. Because, you know, we do talk about the money here. It's one of the nice things about this podcast relative to other movie mm-hmm. review podcasts. We're different. Sponsor <laughs> us. <laughs> All right. Once we get it, let's get into the plot such as it is. Yeah, there's not a lot of plot here. No. <laughs> and, and I look, sometimes that's a positive. Sometimes that's a negative. Uh, this movie follows, uh, again, it's set in the mountains and the jungles of Colombia. Get ready, folks. Robert's about to completely butcher everything that's pronounced in Spanish. My Spanish pronunciations are not that bad. I'm not. Yeah, see, I'm the one that can't, uh, the, you know, the, that calls the Chinese, you know, Chinese Chinaman and, you know, can't pronounce anything that's Portuguese. Usually puts the before the Portuguese, then Portuguese. Speaking of Portuguese, go ahead, Robert. Well, they speak Spanish in Colombia. In fact, if you want to get technical, they speak the closest I didn't say they spoke Portuguese. I just I said, know. because I've done a million MMA podcasts with you, that I butcher the Portuguese. You you do, in fact. You have a terrible understanding of Portuguese, be that, Portu- be that Portuguese from Portugal or uh, Brazilian Portuguese. God intended people talk this way, okay? Everybody <laughs> else is just struggling. Now you go. can you can pretend that that's the case all you want. You do not speak the pure Adamic language, sir. <laughs> that was the smallest gun I've ever seen used to commit suicide. Uh, I could give you. A, I, I could give him a smaller one. Where's my all button? Right. Too fucking. Don't do it. Don't Robert. do it. Don't do it. Here we go. So again, set in the mountains of Colombia. We follow the family uh, Madrigal. Specifically, our primary anta- our protagonist here is Mirabel. Uh, she and her family are all, all live in a magical house. Uh, not quite a full-on castle because, well, that's not practical. But it's uh, it's it's a TARDIS. Kind of, yeah. It's bigger on the inside. They actually make that joke in the movie. I I wanted to like spit like, when they made that stupid joke. Like, oh, really? Uh, but uh, so they've been gifted this magical house, which grants all of them individual powers. Uh, Mirabelle's mother can heal anything uh, if you eat food that she's cooked. Her aunt controls the weather. Her one uncle... aunt control. No, her her well, aunt, only the one aunt. There's the two. Oh, girls right. There's two the... sisters. That... Yeah, the, there is a whole opening musical number about the family members and their individual gifts, which is basically the the movie's way of saying you're going to probably need to take notes. Yeah. And given the way it's written, uh, that song does not help you remember anything. Uh, Then there's a brother, Bruno, who can see the future. And we don't talk about Bruno (laughs) until he shows up. But for the, the interim, we don't talk about him. Because apparently no one in this community understands what a future prediction is. Yeah, well, you know. 
the then there's some of the uh, the her siblings and cousins. One cousin's a shape changer. One has super hearing. One her her, uh, her two sisters. One of them has super strength. The other is gifted with flawless grace and the ability to. Uh, she's poison ivy. Like she makes things grow. And then there's Mirabelle, who on the date when she was supposed to get her gift, the house basically gave her the finger. <laughs> so she has no powers. And her little cousin, this is the, like our opening bit, is her younger cousin getting his gift and he can speak to animals. That kid was adorable. Sure. I, I'm i terrible at judging that. So I... I'm... Well, the, the, voice, the kid voice acting, it never sounds like, oh, they just gave the casting director's kid a role yeah he doesn't have a ton of stuff to talk about but this is a very good child actor who's able to actually convey a decent he's not like you know massively emotional or anything but he's quite good yeah he's not as flat as he could have been so i i'll give him credit for that um so i just noticed that i am above i am above the capybara who gives no f's and that thing made me laugh in the movie um anyway first, they, say, personally the toucan voiced by alan tudyk made me laugh when i saw it was tudyk who did that i was like <laughs> that guy's got a whole second career going where he just does animal sounds for disney works for d ba bradley baker true and for those of you who don't know tudyk was also the uh chicken in moana i still forgot what the chicken's name what I, was but i still hey hey Hey, that was yeah, it. I still remember trying to explain to my family about Tudyk being in all these films and playing the role of the chicken. They're like, it was a chicken. He just made clucking sounds. I'm like, yeah, and that was Alan Tudyk. But and it, they, 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 the synapses couldn't connect. People don't understand how difficult it is to make believable animal sounds. They really don't. It, it is an underappreciated element of voice acting. Uh, anyway, our big point of uh, contention throughout this particular film is that the house is crumbling and mirabelle's aware of this and no one else is and she goes on a quest through her family and through the house to try and save the miracle and the magic uh throughout the course of this it's mostly about her uh her siblings coming out to her and sharing the strain that they find themselves under because of their gifts and whatnot and her coming to accept them uh regardless of that a little bit of family harmony and the overbearing grandmother who wants everything to remain perfect because her husband was violently murdered in any one of any of the number of violent issues that uh, Colombia has had in its past, not recent past, but you know, since uh, since the death of Pablo Escobar, Colombia has been more stable. But you, know, you go back before that, it was a little bit of the Wild West, depending on what time period we're talking about. So any number of times. Um, her husband and the father of her three children was murdered. Uh, and this is what, and his death is kind of ultimately what spawned that. And she's very, uh, again, she's very domineering. She's very overbearing. She's very much it. We have, you know, we've all suffered to make sure you all have this really good life and please don't do anything really stupid. <laughs> and it's really important that we provide good examples for the community that's here, et cetera, et cetera. And this well, it, it's kind of established that the community built itself around yeah. uh, this this uh, casita. You know, they all look to the family to kind of lead. I, I guess the family are kind of just the neighborhood leaders in a way. Yeah. And so, so there's a lot of pressure on them because of that. And 
the the age-old conflict between you know the slightly older way of looking at things and the the young people who just want to be free don't you know mark you were once young you were a kid <laughs> in the 70s uh, i certainly was <laughs> so you, you knew what it was like to rebel against the man to jump into your Oops. to jump into your vw van and head out to california i'm still rebelling against <laughs> the man as you know <laughs> sure you <laughs> The irony, ladies and gentlemen, Mark works in a prison. <laughs> yeah, but I told you, I don't want to t- tell the story on air, but I told you the story of, of something that happened recently where you I was, did, in fact, but the, I definitely did, but... was rebelling. I was running up the down staircase. Look, that's not rebelling. That's petulant acting out. You're not rebelling against the man. You are the man. <laughs> I, I was defending the patriarchy. Sorry, Robert. Sure. All I hear when you say you're running up the down staircase is I get that Animaniac scene with Wacko going down the escalator the wrong way saying, mine's not working. And Yako going, middle kid syndrome. A little bit. Uh, so ultimately, the house does in fact fall. Well, sorry. she uh, Mirabelle does find Bruno, who is hiding out like in the drywall. Um, <laughs> he's been responsible for fixing some of the cracks that have been popping up in the house, desperately trying to keep it together. He's gone into self-imposed exile because people keep thinking that he's a harbinger of doom. He's not a harbinger of doom. He just has vague visions of the future. Yeah, this woman goes, he said my goldfish would die, and then he died. And and that whole song just bugged me. It was like, yes, and? Look, when he shows up and, like, um, his sister has a bigger gripe against him when he shows up on a perfectly good day at her wedding day and goes, huh, sure looks like rain. And that triggers her to stress out a little like he just good. Na- he kind of trolls her into creating the thunderstorm. Was that actually like, OK, I'm just going to say it. They have a almost entirely Latino cast for the. In fact, I think it is an entirely Latino cast. Many of them actually do double and do their the Spanish lines for the um, for other countries, but because of that, there are m- so many scenes in this movie that I could not follow what was being said. Uh, it, the mixing does not help for a certain yeah. seg- for a certain segments of the movie, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, yeah, it's like I'm glad that again we're seeing more inclu- inclusiveness with casting. I'm so glad that they got great representation for this but majority of the actors have very very thick spanish accents and there are a lot of times when they're singing and it's lin-manuel miranda so there's a lot of patter and fast singing and it's kind of hard to like um the character dolores who is actually a professional singer she's a pop star uh there's a scene where she's got kind of a solo thing no clue what she said at all yeah, it's uh, it, there's issues with this on the technical side. Anyway, the the house does finally collapse after um, Mirabelle and the grandmother have a pretty big have a blow up. Um, Mirabelle heads off feeling terrible about herself for having destroyed the family. Uh, sorry, not only does the house destroy, but everyone's gifts go away. Uh, eventually, Mirabelle and the grandmother reconcile. They rebuild the house, and then turns out Mirabelle's gift is making other houses magic because she opens. Or something to that effect. She opens the door to this mundane house that they've built, and it becomes magical because the reality. Look, we can all. It's all well and good to say it doesn't matter if you're special or not. We all know that if you live in the X Men universe and you ain't a mutant, you ain't shit. <laughs> you're a member of this family, and the fa- I take issue with the way the family treated her because that's not how you treat family. 
but let's not kid ourselves. Those people have special powers and you don't. Yeah, sorry. Hate to break it to you. The reality's reality. They have to give her a power at the end otherwise. <laughs> I didn't get the impression that her house, that her power was making houses magical. I well, got the impression... she brought That's the magic. I didn't get that either. Okay, she, yeah, brought I got the... Mag... Okay, she brought the magic back to this house. She whatever that, united that the family to. in something other than... They, well, we can talk about this when we get to the craft review, and I, and I want to let you finish. But I think it was when the magic was restored when she was able to unite the family behind something other than the fact that they got powers. She found, you know, that was that was what her gift was. Her gift was in not having powers. She could uh, she could move this family beyond the the state that they were in, that their grandmother had led them to because she refused to change out of fear and anxiety and, and trauma and all of that. Um, I, there was no there was no magic there. There was just her ability, you know, she, going on this sort of journey, external and internal, and then getting them to the place where they needed to go. <laughs> Um, that there was no actual magic. That was how I took it. No, the house is magic at the end. <laughs> no, I understand that. I'm saying she has no magic. Uh, I'd have to. I imagine there's a variety of ways to kind of interpret that, and I'm sure mm -hmm. the sequel will enlighten us. <laughs> we'll see if there there is one. Or okay, if not the sequel, then the spinoff television series that's going to be on Disney Plus. That's what I. That's what I was getting a stronger hint on that we're gonna, especially with. The ending, which again, Mark, you and I both agreed we're not huge fans of the ending, and we'll get to that. But uh, again, as the old saying used to go, reprieve the theme, reprise the theme song, and roll the credits. Yep. All right. Um, let me jump in here real fast uh, since I waited for you to be done. Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda does not, does not offend me. Um, I don't think he's the world's greatest composer since you know <laughs> since the the folks that did. Uh, Sunset Boulevard, but um, I do think he's, I do enjoy him. I don't, I don't find him offensive anyway. So I was enjoying the music. I like rap, some rap music, and so the the dialects. You and the, you are a superficial enjoyer of hip hop, and you know yeah, it. Yeah, well, I, I love it when you tell me like my wife does. Like you tell me what I like and what I don't like. <laughs> like I'm not my you two own. Oh come on, you two aren't married. <laughs> Hetero life, mate. Right behind Jesse. Jesse's the first wife, by the way. Yeah, look, I may have been here. I may have been here first, but Mark bonded with Jesse before he bonded with me. Hetero life, mate for life. Um, anyway, uh, and he knows that. But uh, my point being that uh, I, for what it's worth, I enjoyed the music. Uh, what I was telling Robert before we started tonight, the thing I enjoyed best about the music wasn't the music in and of itself. It was the message behind the songs. The two sisters, you know, the strong sister and the perfect sister both lamenting the curse of their gifts um you know one feeling overwrought and stressed and you know in, in her own way feeling the need to be perfect feeling the need to always having to use her gifts and never never feeling like she's strong enough uh something i i related to in a lot of ways the other one you know and i've heard this before this isn't something i necessarily relate to totally but um i certainly understand it i empathize with it this idea of you are your gift is that you're perfect and you're expected to be perfect and nobody nobody is perfect the human experience is not perfect and boy can that cause undue stress on a body and a mind um so i like those two songs you know i liked you know in terms of growth in an arc i like the fact that you know the grandmother who is part of this you know traumatizing experience where she loses her husband and you know by by no effort of her own magic magic just came to save her 
and she is doing everything in her power to preserve it. And she doesn't know what the hell she's doing. She's just kind of following her instincts and she's, you know, she's extremely conservative. And I don't mean that in the political sense, but in its traditional sense, she, you know, she does not want to make great changes. She does not want to see things move uh, too far in any direction, lest, you know, she lose the magic that saved her in her time of need. I, I got all that. And I thought that was great. Um, but just kind of finishing up with the music, I really, I liked what, musically the movie had to say i was with it the entire time and when it was resolved short of the um everyone getting back their powers uh i thought it was resolved very nicely and i thought it told a very nice very relatable story i love the fact that disney tried something a little different than normal we don't have a traditional villain here again we have the conservative grandmother just doing her level best to try to preserve the family the best way she knows how and messing up along the way and she too has a growth moment she's not just you know the the villain from tangled you know now, uh, to your point mm -hmm. this is this movie is a great example of how to write a film with dramatic tension and you know stuff right. to overcome that doesn't have a villain you've still got you still got a ticking clock right. you still got something that has to be overcome there's just not a but you don't always need a a singular character to be the villain to create a compelling story it's it's perfectly doable the the other thing that i thought was very non-traditional for disney and i was thinking a lot about moana it's come up a couple times in this podcast now moana um also has to save the magic to save her family to save the you know the mortgage on the farm and she but she goes off on a on a journey literally you know, mm -hmm. and that she meets the rock and she, she travels to the island and the volcano and the dam and the river and Donald Daffy Duck. Well, the whole thing. Um, here, everything is focused. You know, her journey is she never leaves the house. You know, it's a it's a it's more of a mystery than it is a journey, which I liked. Um, I, I think we've we've seen the characters leave home and go on a fantastical journey and meet wonderful creatures before. I feel like we've seen it dozens of times with Disney. With this one, it's a lot of internal mystery solving and figuring things out. I loved the scenes with her and the uncle and her, you know, trying, you know, hearing his story and trying to figure things out, you know, make sense of his visions, that sort of thing. I like the fact that the uncle is still trying to get over, you know, his own anxieties. I thought that just the film Dude, was knowing, very... Knowing the future sucks. Well, not only that, but you have a gift, you, and every time you use it, you upset everyone around you, and you love these people. He had a great line, a line that very much resonated with me. You know, something along the lines of, "Like I knew I needed to go, but I don't, but I still love my family, and this was the best I could do to make everyone happy and keep everyone yeah. safe, but not, but not make myself so miserable because I'm apart from them." And I'm like, "That's I, I massacred that, but." That's the, that's basically what he said in paraphrase. And it was great. And, and like I said, that there was a lot about this movie that hit me personally. Um, I didn't quite ugly cry the way I did at the end of Coco or um, the other one, um, uh, Inside Out, where my whole face came off. Um, yeah, those, <laughs> those were, those were, we'll do that to you. Uh, um, Coco still makes me cry. Every oh, time I watch it, I still sob. This was, I think, before you and I knew each other, but Rob knows because we, we reviewed it. My daughter and I could not keep ourselves together by the end of Coco. Like, we couldn't form words. It was so bad. 
Oh, I remember going leaving the theater. I saw it in 3D because mm-hmm. there was a guy there uh, at the station to take the three. I guess he was taking the bin of the 3D glasses that were being dumped, mm-hmm. and he just looked at me, and my face must have been puffy as hell because he just kind of gave me this weird look, and I literally just went, "Shut up!" and I just dumped the glasses and I, kept walking. <laughs> I can't remember how old Lily was at the time, um, but you know, at the end of it, we just hugged each other and sobbed, and it was it was a mess. So. Um, my son, my daughter, and I all cried at the end, uh, but not not like Coco, where it was like painful and I got a headache after. Uh, but but overall, I like I said, there were so many non traditional things and chances that this movie took, while having a very great message and relatable characters and themes. And it's like a ninety nine percent for me. The one percent, the one thing, my one criticism of this movie, and I'll pitch it over to you, Alexis, when I when I make this point, and you can pick it up from here is everything that we know about Maribel in this movie and, and her journey was about moving this family beyond be the stated point that they're at. They, the family had stagnated. They had become too dependent on their powers. It became more about the powers and less about, um, you know, and less about keeping the family safe and all the other things that the magic was meant to do for them in their time of need. And so the house is reacting to all of that. And through Maribel, who, who does not have powers to distract her from the central goal, she's able to bring everybody together. She's able to help her sisters and everybody else. And it's a great, it's a great story. And then when she's able to do that, the magic is restored to the house. And she says, hello, Kazita. And that should have been the end of it. The fact that all the mutants got their powers back, like, you know, <laughs> like this is the end of House of M. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. We just learned, we just, you just told this whole story about how they didn't need their powers anymore. Like we we're beyond that now. The, the, the reason we had the powers, that's all been resolved and we don't need them anymore. And we can just love each other and be a family without them in a, in a greater community. And you completely undermine that by then going, oh, and everyone's got their powers back. And I, I brought this up when we saw, you know, I, we saw this with my friend Elizabeth and her family, and we're all talking about it after. And as I said that out loud, someone started to, to chime in, and I said, no, 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 I know why Disney did it, because I'm pretty sure that probably wasn't in the original script. And somebody read that and went, no, 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 you must have Disney magic at the end. That Everyone must have their powers back and live happily ever after, especially if these people are going to have another cartoon or something. They all have to have their powers again. Um and you know, and, and like if you're if you're the person who wrote this movie, if you you know if you worked on it, you're like, but it undercuts the entire movie if you do it that way. Well, f you, we have toys to sell. You know, <laughs> we we have. Uh, by the way, my son came up with a great idea. He was like, they need to create a like a talking play action house that uh, you know that, that that bounces and does all kinds of things that you can play with. You know, maybe from uh, from the ages of like three to five or something, but go ahead, Alexis, what'd you think of the movie? And especially that ending. Uh, do you want me to go through my positives first before we talk about the ending? Or any way you want. want. That's okay. the way you need it. Any way you want it. Okay. So positives. Uh, the, the movie is absolutely gorgeous to yeah. look at. They embrace so much color, so many shapes and oh, everything. Yeah. One of the things I also really liked was we talked about this a little with jungle cruise, mm-hmm. uh, where we talked about how the river itself became a character onto its in and of itself and how important that was for the movie. This does the same thing with the casita that casita mm-hmm. is a character yeah, sure. and it feels like it. You feel the house's personality. It doesn't feel like just a set or a MacGuffin or a TARDIS. 
you know, they put so much energy into this house and I love all the little details they worked into it. I love just how much it interacts with everyone. You get little bits with the kids trying to go upstairs and the house is just like, nope, nope, you got to stay downstairs. And it, you know, does that it just little things like that. It never feels forced. And I really like that. Uh, the voice acting is all really good. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys caught this, but the voice of Isabella uh, is Jane from Doom Patrol. Yes, Diane Guerrero, who is an outstanding actress. Yeah. I didn't know she could sing like that. I don't watch Doom Patrol, so... She was also in I another show you don't watch, Orange is the New Black, and she's... I watched a few seasons of that. She is fantastic. Who's she in that? that? Remember the two hot Hispanic girls? Um, the ones who, at the by the end of it, like, I... Uh, Vague, yeah, sure, sure, yeah, vaguely enough, yeah. Okay, she's the hotter one. She the one that you said this is my third. Yeah. Like if, if my wife, if, because because goth Latina was like the perfect cross section for you. Yes, that's the one. Okay, he's on the hall pass list. Um, I also really actually identify with the story, the family trying to deal with coping with their powers. Mm -hmm. You get Louisa, who has actually my favorite song in the movie, uh, which she's talking about the pressure of carrying everything, and she has a, a lyric mm -hmm. there like, "If I am not." the strong one then what am i if i right. don't do this what is my purpose and you get isabella who has always made roses and is pretty and she talks about how she wants to try different things and she's tired of feel you know she's just like i'm bored with roses why do i always have to make roses and she starts you know making different kinds of plants she and makes everything a cactus. Mm -hmm. she makes a cactus first time in her life she's ever made a cactus uh you got the aunt uh Peppa, I think is how you pronounce it, P-E-P-A. Uh, she's the one who has the weather. Mm -hmm. And just, oh my God, as someone with anxiety disorder, I felt so sorry for that woman that anytime she gets stressed, she's got a cloud. If she's mm -hmm. upset, it's raining. If she's mad, it's thundering. And she's got the, the, the grandmother one's like, it's like, it's a special day and you're raining in the house. And she's like, I'm cold, I'm cold, I'm coming down. Just yeah, that's not healthy. No, it's not. But again, anxiety disorder. I'm like, holy shit, that looks familiar. Um, but yeah, my biggest problem was the ending. Because I'm 100% with you, Mark. The main message of this movie, and it's a great message, is that mm -hmm. you are not just your gift. Right. You are not just your talent. You are not just what you contribute. You know, the gift, the, what you should be praising is those you love, your your family, your friends. Right. You know, uh, Grandma said it's like the gift was not the magic. The gift is my family. The gift is you, um, Mirabelle. Right. Again, wonderful message. Not, not to trigger Pat, Robert, and I don't know if you've seen it, but like Peach Dragon the the original <laughs> one into a not, not that crappy oh, remake please no 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 but i mean never like, seen the original point of peach dragon to to um to back up your point if you remember what the thing about peach dragon is the dragon is with pete in pete's time of need when he's being chased by the hillbillies and all of that and when he's safe and sound with the new family in the lighthouse you know good old mickey rooney and then pete's and then the dragon's like all right i've i gotta go there are other there's, children there's that other need me Exactly. And, and, you know, and Pete's like, but what, you know, but why? And, you know, and as the dragon basically tells him in his own way, you know, there, I was here for you when you were needed, but when you don't need me anymore, it's time to let go. It's and the Mary that is Poppins the point, thing. 
Right. And th another really good example of this. So you have all these great examples of the thing will come to you when you need it, but but it's not it's not yours to keep forever. It's not really yours to begin with. It's it's there to help and then move you on to the next thing. And that's the whole point of the powers. See, there's a scene in the final musical number when they're starting to fix the house and mm -hmm. Mirabelle helps Louisa, the strong one, move a big stone slab and talks about how strong she is. And she's still able to move that slab mm -hmm. pretty well, even though she's not, you know, a juggernaut anymore. Right. I, I don't know. It's just the first X-Men I, I thought of. <laughs> Colossus. Colossus was right there. Yeah, Fine. but nobody cares about Colossus. Oh, my God. Ow. <laughs> so... I honestly thought we were going to get an ending which showed that the family members were learning to embrace the life without their gifts. I figured right. Luis was going to realize that even though she is not super strong, she does have strength. And she's, she's still a huge woman. I refuse to believe mm -hmm. that this woman doesn't still have a decent amount of strength. She could still probably, you know, kick your ass. Right. Maybe they find out, maybe Isabella finds out that even though she can't magically produce flowers, she likes gardening. You know, maybe she we see her uh, outside planting flowers, and well, she's got a real talent for it. You know, uh, the, the the little boy Antonio who finds out his gift is talking with animals again, cute as hell kid, mm -hmm. and waiting for the playset of his room. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God, Swiss Family Robinson, eat your heart out. Maybe he'd find out that he still has a good rapport with the animals, and he could still kind of tell what they're feeling you know that there, there are people out there who have a really good sense about how an, what an animal is like and how they feel mm -hmm. and that's what i really thought we were going to get the idea that they were learning to embrace what they loved about each other and what they loved they could do without this magic and then yeah the house gives them all their gifts back now it still helps a little bit that we see that they've learned not to put as much pressure on themselves louisa learns she can take a break she doesn't have to work so hard isabella uh, continues to make funky exotic flowers and plants she doesn't you don't have to yeah. keep doing the roses She's punk rock at the end <laughs> we are so gonna get a cosplay of her with the colored stuff <laughs> in her hair oh my god you get a scene of uh, peppa finally she can let make it hail in the house mm -hmm. and no one's yelling at her and again, th those are good. It's like, yeah, they're mm -hmm. finally learning that they can, you know, relax and be more themselves. Bruno has come home. Bruno has come home. John Leguizamo, by the way, is awesome in this role. <laughs> John Leguizamo is fantastic in almost anything he does. Like his one man stage thing that he did was fantastic. Almost, I think, almost any performance that he gives is usually spot on. I think he's a really underrated actor. Yes, I absolutely love the scene when he confronts the grandmother and Mirabelle in the water. And then uh, she's the grandmother just hugs him and goes, I think I missed a few things. <laughs> it's a great bit. Yeah. So, but yeah, I really feel like this ending screwed up the message that they, the gift is the family, not the magic. Right. Yeah, no, dead on. I, I don't think I've ever agreed with you more. We are, one, we are eye to eye on that. Uh, Robert. Tell us why uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda sucks and should be deported back to Italy. He should not be deported. What's the matter with <laughs> He's you? He's not Italian. I, I was wrong on both things. Keep going. You really were. <laughs> like, I'm not sure you could have been more wrong. I mean, you could have, but. I mean, if I tried harder, sure. But, sure. The, you know. You could have got his with... name wrong, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about George and his ability to uh, paint scenery. Uh, I think you mean Ivan. Yeah. Uh, all right. 
I, I'm with you guys as far as the overall, like, I didn't dislike the movie. It was, for me, this is middle-of-the-road Disney stuff. Uh, I asked you a question. Is, did, you, did you like this one more or less than Frozen? Yeah. You know, I, hang, stuff, on, right? hang on, hang on, hang <laughs> on. Here's the thing about that. Frozen in a lot of ways sucks. I... I look if you ask me if I which of them I preferred, mm -hmm. probably this. Okay. Here, here here's a, I think if you can mix the quality of the of the story writing from this mm -hmm. with the songwriting from Frozen. Sure. Oh, then, got some, yeah. You've got something truly special. You have Avengers Endgame is what you've got. Like yeah, that, at that point you can rule the world with the power of whatever you've just created. Like it's yeah. it's impressive beyond belief. Uh. So I'm with you guys on the uh, on the overall themes and messages. I didn't care that they got their powers back. I knew they were going to do it. So what do I care? It I mean, undermines the story. I think you, you care can't little, but... stop. You cannot. And you know this, Mark, mm -hmm. you know this. You can't show children a <laughs> magical world and then have the message be there's no magic, but it's OK. <laughs> they will like they'll riot. <laughs> I understand what you're saying, Mark, but I'm Robert, and I want a well-told story. <laughs> I don't look. I suppose. Okay, here's I suppose the biggest where I disagree with you the most as far as that goes. Mm -hmm. I don't think it undercuts it as much as you think it does. Okay. I mean, look. I'm also able to regulate my expectations because it's a Disney movie. <laughs> like, look. If this were anything else, yeah, sure, I'd probably be screaming alongside you, but. Well, I'm, I I can't yell at the wire because there's no comedy numbers, <laughs> right? Like that's that's kind of what we're getting at here. Um, right. I, I see what you're saying. I, I'm not going to belabor the point. What else? Yeah. Um, I'm with you guys on the animation, really, especially the color saturation. This is a beautiful thing to look at. Mm -hmm. I was actually blown away by the uh, textures in Bruno's tower with all the sand. You get that one scene of her falling out of the door and she's got sand all over her face and yeah. i mean it doesn't look like comical it looks realistic as hell i i've been doing this enough with both of you you know really you alexis and definitely you robert because i started noticing things like the individual animation of hair yeah which i would have yeah. never have noticed before but i was keying into it because i was like these are the things that you guys like to point out and i was like mm -hmm. and i was and i was really amazed that this was like pixar level quality in that hair had texture and it moved and it moved separate from everything else it wasn't like in blocks you could actually see and i don't like to say it you could see the hair on the neck of louisa mm -hmm. and i'm not saying she had a hairy neck but you know we're human and we we still have those very fine hairs yep on our necks and our back and you could see that on louisa during her musical number mm -hmm. yeah that so that's all great uh with you on the voice acting not a bad performance to be had um, I'm not a fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda as a general rule. So let me preface what I'm about to say with that. So if you feel free to dismiss everything I'm about to say that follows, if you are so inclined. Uh, I've heard him described, and I tend to agree with this categorization, he makes hip-hop for people who don't like hip-hop. I, I think I've heard either you or Pat say that like five times on the chat board. Uh, probably me. Like, that's how I've heard his work described, and I think it's accurate. Now, to be clear, you out there, if you do like his work and don't like hip-hop as a general rule, 
congratulations, his music, he has reached his demographic. <laughs> like, that's... The man doesn't write for, you know, Jedi Mind Tricks or Army of the Pharaohs for a reason. He's not that good. But he does what is asked of him as far as musical theater. Um, I find that there's a... He has a tendency in his lyric writing, and it really came out in this movie, and I think it's a... It might resonate with me a little bit more as far as comparing Contrasco because Stephen Sondheim, Sondheim, I can speak, Sondheim passed away this uh, this last week, and he's one of the rest in peace. Uh, one of the most celebrated uh, lyricists and songwriters in Broadway history, and Sondheim is a perfect counterpoint if you want to understand what I'm talking about stylistically to Mar to uh, Miranda. Miranda is effusive with his use of lyrics. To the point where it's very difficult to follow, and you can very, very easily lose what's going on. The only song he wrote for Moana was The Rocks, was You're Welcome. And it works there, because partially because you have the charisma of The Rock even in purely voice format, but also because he kind of reined in a lot of his excesses when it came to that song. He, you don't get the run on, uh, the run on streams. Except for uh, the bridge. Sure, but, you know. <laughs> when it's part of just the bridge, it can work out okay. It's, But uh, it works there. Here, it's so stupidly rapid fire and so stupidly constant that you lose it. it nothing settles. Like, nothing really sticks in your head. Like, you might get a lyric or two here or there, but I couldn't tell you anything from any of the songs. I couldn't hum you the tune. Like it, it, it's a real problem here as far as his. We were uh, musical. We were talking about this go. before the show started tonight. Going all the way back to Frozen. I mean, who doesn't sing "Let It Go"? But I mean, even since then, and like, look, the Radiolution Broadcasting Network is made up of a lot of you know burly, manly men, you know, and tight tights. Um, and I'm the uh, only woman who works for this network. And uh, it's not for working. I love what you do. Um, but, for, for the moment, for the moment, well, I'm sure we'll find others. Hey, Elizabeth and my wife want to start doing more of this, so you know, you, there'll, there'll be more. And we got a bunch of women coming on for their Christmas podcast, so anyway, oh, good. So now, from now on, whenever there's a freaking rom com or something, I don't have to automatically hear, Hey, Alexis, we need you because you have ovaries. Yep, nope, I got, I got, no, I got the other guy with ovaries in this, I got Ronnie <laughs> to do it. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh. No, I, I was going all the way back to Frozen. I mean, we've the point of me doing that whole bit was we've been doing Do You Want to Build a Snowman for what seems like in you know ages now on top of Let It Go. But there's even other stuff that I'll still go back to um with Frozen and it'll it'll still be a jingle in my mind. Moana, same thing. Uh a lot of you know the last couple of years of Disney musicals afterwards i it's still stuck in my head it's still an earworm and i can't tell you a damn so and this was only if i saw it wednesday when it came out i couldn't tell you any of the music in there like i vaguely remember some of louisa song and that's about it to your point robert it's it's if when you're there and you already uh, you already have a thing for lin-manuel miranda it's fine and then you leave the theater and immediately leaves your brain. Nothing about the music in here really sticks. Look, I can it, tell you, I can tell you the themes that went into the mm -hmm. songs, which is right. which is good. Like, and I liked the themes that were being expressed. I just think that some of the some of his choices musically become a they don't stick because it's just it's never ending. It never stops. And my point of contrasting with Sondheim is, 
if you've ever heard a musical by Sondheim, Sondheim f- has a, had a gift for finding the genius in simplicity. Mm-hmm. Like he could take a, a complex uh, emotion, a complex thought, and appropriately distill it down to something that fit the music and you could remember. I mean, he still has, this might sound really weird, but um, he gave the most succinct and probably the most poetic uh, description of violent nihilism I've ever heard. Sweeney if Todd. In Sweeney Todd. There's a line there in one of the songs that Sweeney sings. I forget the, I forget the title. It's, it's right before, um, right before the intermission. Uh, the one where he's, is it the one where he's singing with Judge Turpin or the one no, where he's, no, 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 no. it's the one where he, it's the one where he he's freaks singing. Out. I, I've seen the Johnny Depp, Tim Burton movie more times than I can count. That is actually one of my favorite film uh, musicals. It is so well done. Uh, but when he's describing, you know, everyone deserves to die. That, that's even his thing. you, Mrs. Lovett, even yeah. I. Yeah. And his line, his line, just like explaining his thought process, is uh, the lives of the wicked should be made brief, and for the rest of us, death will be a relief. Like that's you don't get a much more clear and concise description of what, again, the, the like violent, destructive nihilism is about. It's well, you've either done something to deserve death. Or you haven't, in which case death is infinitely preferable to the miserable existence we live in. See, it's the song before that Pretty Women, the one with Judge Turpin, mm. that I always go to when I think of that musical. Just something about the fact that they're both singing about how Judge Turpin's singing about how he's basically going to marry and rape Joanna. And Todd is singing about how he's going to kill Turpin. And yet they're singing the exact same song. Mm. And it's... It's disturbingly beautiful. Really is. Yeah. Uh, right. If if you haven't heard the uh, I if you haven't heard the original Broadway cast, I'd encourage you all to look it up. Um, there is a recording of it on YouTube. There is, but it's not the original Sweeney. Uh, the sure? it's 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 still got Angela Lansbury, but the original Sweeney Todd was Len Cairo, and the one on that the one in that is. Um, George, I want to say something or other. I forget, so forgive me. No, you're, you're right. Yeah, I don't know if the Len Cairo recording is on YouTube or not. I'd have to. Yeah, I don't think. Thing. I don't think um, the a a play recording is not. You might be able to find the music because I have the. I actually own, um, the 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 audio recording of the original Broadway cast. You are right about Lin Manuel Miranda's music in this, though, Robert. Because again, we're talking about the music that we love from Sondheim's films. Um, I'm thinking back to, like I said, the other projects we've watched that Lin-Manuel Miranda's done the music for. Hamilton, Moana, and In the Heights. I could name you songs off of those, and I remember finishing those, and I had songs stuck in my head. Hell, when I saw Moana, for the first time in years, I think, I remember going home and pulling up the soundtrack on YouTube. It's like, you know what? I want to hear this again. You know, I, I haven't done that since I was a little kid, like when yeah. Lion King came out or something. Moana has three very different but very awesome songs. Um, How Far I'll Go remains like one of the best Bring Me the Horizon style songs that you'll ever hear. Your Welcome is the be- is like the best um, like crappy trickster vil- character introduction ever. You like, cannot watch that song and not like bounce along to the lyrics. To. It's so much fun. And you really, you really do. And then I actually like Shiny as a I villain. I love Shiny. Shiny is a great villain song, even though uh, 
Tomatoa is not the main villain of the film. He is just so much fun in that. And, and he is a bad guy, so yeah, I would say his song counts as a villain it, song. It, it's the villain song for that movie. Mm-hmm. And there's a handful of like rock and metal covers of it that are really awesome. But yeah, like I said, um, we don't talk about Bruno was stuck a little bit in my head. The beat to that, I think, is a very little. earwormy. Well, I think uh, I think he stole. I'd say stole it from himself because it's his music. But there's like the only song from Hamilton that I kind of halfway like is "The Room Where It Happened." Great song. And we don't talk about Bruno's. I think cribbed a little bit of it's like. Um, uh, measure from that. And I, I, I will never get the that. image of Thomas Jefferson shimmying across the stage, you know. And, and, so and, what did and, I miss? Know. Oh my God, that's my favorite yeah. song. Uh, that is the one thing in Hamilton, you know, um, that always gets stuck in my head. Robert, anything else about your thoughts on this movie before we start to wrap up? No, look, it's a perfectly acceptable Disney film. Like, there's a good time to be had. There's a pretty good message. It's fun to look at. Your kids will enjoy it. You won't be too bored by it. Eh, be curious to see what my friend elizabeth um thinks of this i know her and her husband tend to watch our reviews so be nice to him um no um but uh if you like his work more than i do godspeed and party on well no i when talking to her about tick tick boom which i would really recommend if you get a chance for both of you for different reasons really ought to watch it andrew um andrew garfield andrew garfield andrew garfield chris bailey chris bailey chris bailey uh is really like I don't, I don't cheerlead for people to get Oscars too, too often. In fact, you know, much like, <laughs> much like with Ghostbusters, when I see cheerleading, I tend to run in the opposite direction and then eat a sandwich because I'm quite French. Um, but uh... <laughs> your, your Italian grandmother's spinning in her grave as you say that breakdancing practically. Um, but I, uh, I am cheering for Andrew Garfield to win an Oscar for Tick Tick Boom. It's really, really good. Um, any case, what the whole point of me bringing that up was Elizabeth saying she wasn't the world's biggest fan of Lin Manuel Miranda. I mean, she likes him just fine, but she has her issues with him. Um, I would be, you know, curious when they hear the review, um, to give their thoughts on it and uh, you know, leave a comment or whatever, wherever it is they happen to be listening to this. Uh, like I said, we talked about it a little bit after the movie was over, but ask me if I remember anything that was said by anybody. That was that was almost a week ago. I don't expect me to remember what people tell me of a week ago. Mark um, Goldfish. <laughs> uh, I will say this for people who do like the music and want to hear it again and you know want to listen to it maybe on a uh, on a service that provides streamable music. There's a lot of those, Mark. How in the world are the good people out there who listen to our podcast to determine which of the umpteen services that provide streaming music on the internet should be the one that they go with? They should go with Amazon Music Unlimited, don't you know? But why, Mark? But for why? Well, I mean, don't we all enjoy free? Who wants to pay for anything? Not me. Um, I'll tell you what. And so we are giving away a free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. Um you click the link in our podcast here in the description of getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network, you can try the service for free for 30 days. If you like it, you keep it. You pay the monthly fee like you do with Spotify and all the rest of the imitators. Um, or you can give it up for uh, without any contractual issues, no fuss, no muss. But really, we use it all the time on the Metal Hammer of Doom. Whenever I feel the urge... Um- 
random question, Mark, but yes. uh, Amazon Music carries podcasts. Are we on Amazon Music or are we? We not? sure are. If you're, hell yeah. To, if you caught this on YouTube and were like, but I'm on the go. I'm a busy person. I have a, I have an Etsy shop. I have to get things to the post office, and I need my podcasts on the go. Or if you you're can... Jim Cornette in Podunk, Kentucky, in line at the post office with his giant bag of parcels, screaming about how the business is dead. <laughs> That's right. You can uh, have it on your listening portable internet device and you can have and you can listen to our podcast on amazon music unlimited so go ahead and do that if you please get amazonmusic.com slash w2m network helps the podcast out it greases the wheels to keep this whole machine turning and speaking of machines let's talk about the money All right. Ah, uh, the the Spanish subtitles. <laughs> Every time. Every time. On a budget of 150 million, this thing has pulled in roughly 70 million as of this recording. It was a long five day weekend. Um, this being the Thanksgiving weekend, it usually usually a big, not just for Disney, but anything that comes out around now. Uh, in years past, has these are usually billion dollar weekends. Just all kinds of hit movies coming out on well, the uh, Thanksgiving week. We're clearly not getting one of those this weekend. Nope. <laughs> but um, so for the so we're just going to focus right now on the traditional weekend of uh, the 26th through the 28th, and of course, and as I predicted, and I think, and, and you like to uh, you like to argue with me, and so I'm going to remind people that you said. If I remember correctly, that Ghostbusters might repeat in its second week. And I said, you are sniffing glue that Encanto well, would be the number one movie of the weekend. And it was. Hang on. When I said might, it, you are correct. It was the number one movie. I will give you your kudos. Mm -hmm. Here's where I do not take the total loss here. In mm -hmm. one way and one way only. The difference between them was what? $3 million? Um, for Something just... Like just the weekend, the 26th through the 28th, yeah. um, it grossed 27 million and it looked like Ghostbusters grossed 24. 20. So, yeah, roughly okay. 3 million. So, just for the record, when I said Ghostbusters had a chance, if you're only beating it by 3 million for the traditional weekend, like we're just looking at that period of time, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just saying I wasn't entirely wrong. That's all I'm saying. So if you're interested, Ghostbusters Worldwide, as of this recording, well, you know, from the day that it came out till now, has made 115 million worldwide, which given the uh, the state of the marketplace is not the world's worst haul. No, I, I, I'm genuinely I'm genuinely impressed. This thing only dropped like 45 percent. Look, uh, you know, without having to rehash the same fight from last week. Look, I'll give it its kudos. It's resonating with people. People are enjoying it. People are celebrating it. You know, all the Chris Bailey's in the world skipping through the periwinkles, lollipop firmly in hand are, uh, are thoroughly enjoying this movie. And God bless them for it. You know, I, I don't take that away from anybody. Um, so it's, you know, look, the one salient point that has been made over and over again by, by Chris Bailey and, and folks like him is that when you make a movie that caters to the fans, the, the fans will usually respond by opening their wallets far and wide. They, the Force you know, Awakens they, is a great example of that. They will go, they will go multiple times, they will bring their children, et cetera, et cetera, and all of these things cost money. So, you know, look, I, I get that. Um, I'm, I'm equally certain, and this is not, look, 
I joke with you about synergy because mm -hmm. you like to pretend that it's a bigger deal for us than it is. <laughs> but I, uh, where does where does the original Ghostbusters stream right now? Anybody know oh, off the top of their head? I am not without looking it up. Um, I would just guarantee that whatever streaming service has Ghostbusters saw mm -hmm. a giant increase in traffic for that title. I, after I think this came even out. like the um, the five dollar specialty showing on Halloween actually did fairly well for itself. I mean, you know, still has an audience. What can I tell you? Um, House of Gucci debuted at number three, and Ridley Scott is an angry, angry man right now. Ooh, doggy. We'll Ridley, talk more Scott's about gonna Ridley Scott is going to continue to blame everyone else except for himself why his movies are not doing as well. Yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit more at length tomorrow uh, during the money segment for uh, Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City because God knows there's no money to talk about. But... Thank you for not forcing me to watch that, Mark. <laughs> Look, I'll talk about it with Jason. I'm going to go see it tomorrow. We're just going to have it. Okay, Ghostbusters doesn't stream free anywhere, but mm -hmm. it's available for fairly cheap as far as renting or buying goes on. Uh, YouTube, Amazon Prime, etc. Like the usual places. It I, I, I would guarantee. It had like a resurgence in views. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, look. We all look, you and I both mentioned that the Many Saints of Newark was a pretty big failure in many respects. Mm -hmm. You know what it did for HBO Max? It made it made people it, watch Sopranos. It drove it drove people back to watching the Sopranos in record yeah. numbers. And you know yep. what? If you if you spend a lot of money, you made a decent amount back at the theater, and what you did was increase traffic to your website, that's kind of a win. No, 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 no argument there. You know, I'm sure HBO Max and Paramount Plus and that not a service Peacock. <laughs> did your joke? Um, you did, and I'm glad you've re I'm glad you've recognized the truth of that. They'll take it any way they can get to, gets it, baby. You know, if if whatever drives the traffic, they don't care. Um, whores, all of them. Speaking yeah, of so, whores, Eternal, so, dirty whores, whore. every one of you. So House of Gucci, yeah, that's. What was it? I what was the joke that I made with you? Like, oh, this is a mess. Yeah, but it's a fancy mess. It well, that, that that's the line in so many of the reviews. They said it's it's a it's yeah, it's a mess, but it's a pretty to look at mess. Yep. This Myself, is look, like, some people. Some this isn't what happens when you trash a McDonald's. This is what happens when you trash you know a fancy a Gucci store. So myself and Alexis Hanna will do we'll 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 get to reviewing House of Gucci at some point. We're gonna do that with the eyes of Tammy Faye. These eyes and um Spencer. Spender. Which is next on my list of things to Pivod. Uh so we'll, yeah, we'll talk more say, about House of Gucci in the future. Well, uh, somebody somebody on this network's gotta talk about Oscar Bait. Yep. Uh Eternals Speaking dropped from bait. two to four and is <laughs> and is nearing its run at, at the okay. uh, at the theater. Look. I'm not, I, I'm happy to bag on the Eternals, and I'm going to do so again here. In <laughs> really, in we, don't what, do, we don't do that a lot on this network. I'm surprised anyone's bagging on it. Oh, in for a, God's sake! <laughs> in a very specific way here, mm -hmm. uh, because I was not, I was this, I hadn't realized this until this weekend when it, uh, when it you know, had this fall. Mm -hmm. There's a real chance that domestically, this makes, uh, this thing is, was it domestically or total? I think it was just domestically this that I saw. This might be the lowest grossing Marvel movie ever, including the Ed Norton Incredible Hulk. Yeah, it's 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 competing for last place currently. Um, which is not a great, you know, look, 
I, I, I have defended the movie every which way but loose, but there comes a point where even I have to recognize this thing financially bombed. You were right, Chris Bailey. You However, it should be right. noted that on all every single one of the uh, all Marvel movies ranked articles that have come mm -hmm. out since Eternals was released, because Lord knows every time there's a new Marvel movie, they got to redo the list. Eternals mm -hmm. is not the number one or not the worst. Iron Man well, three still has that on lock. Well, I was gonna say, are we talking about worse in terms of quality or worse in terms of financial quality? Because quality. Okay. Well, I'm not surprised by that. That there are people running. Iron Man three thing. is uh, Iron Man three is not the worst Marvel movie. I oh, am okay, not but... having that debate now. No, 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 no. Well, look, even <laughs> if no, I don't no want... debate, no debate. But I honestly want to know, Winfrey, what is in your opinion the absolute worst? The Hulk. I don't count the Hulk. Ragnarok? Okay, well, I, I, no, no, no. I don't count the Incredible Hulk as part of the MCU canon, first of all. If mm -hmm. I did, it would probably be that. That's a We're, We are talking movie. about Edward Norton's yeah. Hulk, right? No, he, not he the, has the we weird... shall not speak of Eric Bana No, no, no. He's talking about the Ed Norton Hulk, and he's weird about it. Let's just turn the page. It's a terrible movie. Like, uh -huh. I mean, structurally, it's a bad you... movie. Look, which one do I hate the most? Ragnarok. This, I'm on record about this. If I I'm being, actually, I think hang on, hang on. You, I think she asked you from a pure craft perspective, and you being, only get yeah, ten okay. words to answer this. What is the what is the least well made movie Marvel has ever done? Because for if the record, Winfrey, you even admitted that as much as you hate Ragnarok, you did enjoy the Battle of the Bifrost. When we recorded it, I remember you admitting you yeah. thought that final fight scene was pretty kick ass. I I wish it had been the I, least well made are, movie. The least well made movie. If it's not the Incredible Hulk, which it very well might be, I mean the easy answer is Thor: The Dark World, which has just that a myriad seems of problems. To be what everyone lands on. Uh, Jeff Sloboda of the MCU's Bleeding Edge did an entire, I think, two-hour show on that CNET article that drove everybody on Twitter crazy for a day. That uh, that that ranked the Marvel movies, and Thor: The Dark World is actually not the one at the bottom. So it's, again, it's fun I, I, podcast. Of, of the ones he's done, it's a fun podcast to listen to. I feel um, bad. Jeff's been asking me to do MCU news podcasts like for the last three days in a row, and I have been so buried with the orders. I'm like, Jeff, I love you, man, but I do not have free I mean, time. How many times are you going to talk about the Batman trailer? Moving on. Um, let's yeah, see it's, here. It's probably one of those two. I'd have to go back through the list of all of them and see if any of the others really stuck out to me. Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon City. <sighs> I'll do this now, so you know, just get us out of the way. Feel good about yourself for that. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, that that poor movie. <laughs> they tried, the man. The, so you thought the plane was gonna make it back up, but nope, it plummeted twice. Uh, that debuted at number five, which is not a good look for at a, you know, at a paltry movie. five million. Yep. Uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog, which went day and date on Paramount Plus. Boy, did that plummet. Um, well, again, it, it's also three weeks old and day and date. It, it's I'm again, like, I'm not saying I'm not saying the movie's a bomb. I didn't say that. I said it mm -hmm. dropped real hard this weekend. Uh, my son and I reviewed that on a triple feature on Thanksgiving. If you're, people are interested, King Richard, which Jason and I are reviewing next week, dropped from four to seven, and is also day and date on HBO Max. Dune uh, dropped from five to eight, also day and date on HBO Max. No Time to Die, which is a <laughs> dropped from seven to nine, and is a great case study of a movie making almost a billion dollars and losing nearly as much. It is fascinating beyond that, words. 
I, I said this before, man. That poor movie. <laughs> you you could not reasonably ask that thing to do any more than it has done. Mm. That decades from now, when classes are talking about the economics classes are talking about the effects that COVID had mm -hmm. on our economy and everything, No Time to Die is going to have its own freaking chapter in the it history has books. To. Well, I mean, we talked we talked about this in the there's, chat. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no just to be clear. There is no reasonable circumstance wherein a movie like this makes, you know, almost a billion dollars. It's not going to cross that mark, but it's the closest any. The only other analog to this is BVS, which had a which had a robust market at the time and had everything going for it, including the first appearance of Batman and Superman on screen together and still couldn't pull in a billion dollars. Well, that and uh, that and then Justice League, Justice League, Justice League bombed really hard. Yeah, but by that point, they had lowered projections considerably. Ostensibly, the big canary in the coal mine was BBS. Um, yeah. Anyway, the, uh, I wanted to... But yeah, No really Time quick. to Die is just... It's making good money, mm -hmm. but between the people at MGM, or whoever owns MGM at the moment... Amazon, or they're working on it at least. Sure. They delayed this thing how many times? <laughs> Um, not counting COVID or not counting COVID. Yeah, I'm like, this thing was delayed before COVID. It was. And, and there were accidents on set. There were all kinds of problems. I but, mean... Like, didn't they move this out of the way of Endgame, I want to say? I don't know if it was I, It was. Oh, like I said, this thing got... You, Mark, you're right. This thing got... Del the thing is that if you, you actually just want to do the math pretty much, it's like if COVID wasn't even a factor, how much money would this have made immediately and how profitable would it have been? It was still mismanaged, but you can with with the normal uh, theater going and whatnot. It's a it's a billion dollar plus picture. It's almost gonna make that with COVID. Like this thing would have done gangbusters normally, uh, and instead you delayed it and you reshot it. And I want to read this it to again, so, so so that we can finally put this to to bed with actual numbers and dates. No time to die was originally scheduled to release in November. Of 2019. I, I, I want to say they moved it away from a Marvel movie. Or um, they were doing well, reshoots or something. Well, if that was November of 2019, that was... Um, it wasn't Black Panther, because that's a February movie. Uh, I'd have to look. Um, in any case, but was postponed to February of 2020, then to April of 2020 after Danny Boyle's departure. The premiere in... Ch um, uh, okay. The premiere in China and countrywide publicity tour planned for April 2020 were then canceled due to COVID. It was moved two and three times before COVID. It was. It really was. And then delayed Which, an entire over a year. Yep. There was, I don't think, it doesn't look like there was any Marvel movies. There was Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, Parasite. That, okay, so that must, that must have been them having issues with, like, they had the projection, they had the release date, and then... Something happened in the filming or the editing process that made them bump At some point, back. Daniel Craig got injured. I know that was one. Yeah, thing. he got injured. And then, uh, you mentioned Danny Boyle was attached to this thing for a while, right. and he left. Right. Like This was a horribly troubled production anyway. Right. And the fact that it still is doing as well as it is is something of a miracle. The fact that it's still going to lose a truckload of money is criminal, practically. <laughs> So here's what I wanted to bring up just really quick, and then we can move on with the rest of the countdown here. I, I would really love to get like the actual equation. I want to know 
because because traditionally and as long as we've been doing this segment we've always gone with the simple math of twice the budget with Pretty factors much. in marketing um if you're north of twice twice the budget your movie is profitable if you're south of twice the budget your movie has lost money end of discussion you really have to now factor in delays right and For if the you're next factor- little bit yeah and if you're factoring at least a year delay and it you know and that now i mean how much more does your movie have to make beyond twice the budget in order to be profitable and if you apply that equation to every movie that has come out in 2021 nothing made money just you might you might have to do two and a half Mm -hmm. um depending on how long it was delayed Uh, again some of these budgets that we get have numbers to do not include when I say they don't include marketing, they might include the original marketing projections. But if you mm-hmm. delay the thing 18, if you delay a movie nine and a half months, right? guess what you still have to pay for all over again when it does get released. Right. And that's that was the thing with Black Widow. I mean, do you know how many times I ran a marketing campaign for Black Widow as many times as that was delayed? Oh, yeah. The, the marketing on that alone might have, I, I wouldn't say it doubled the budget uh, for the movie because that was expensive mm-hmm. anyway, but you're adding a serious fraction of the budget onto it again, just doing another ad campaign and another right. ad. I don't know if they bought Super Bowl spots for Black Widow, but they might have. Mm-hmm. I said this in the chat. There's no way Morbius is going to end up being profitable. They've delayed that since the year of the flood. Um, well, look, I, they shouldn't have made that to begin with, but we well, all that's know. That's a whole other discussion. We, there, uh, we all know that, and, we'll ha- <laughs> and I'm happy to bring that, to, and I'm happy to talk about that when the time comes. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Right, that's been delayed a lot. Um, what do we have else coming up that was delayed a lot? I mean, Doctor Strange is behind the eight ball. Alexis brought up "Marry Me" and the you know, um, and the bull that Ronnie's going to take for her on that one. That got delayed. Thank you, Ronnie. Um, yeah, but they did reveal what why they're doing the Doctor Strange reshoots. Yes, actually, thank God they finally revealed because everyone's been panicking about panicking about why they're doing reshoots. Turns out they've essentially said, "Look, we had to rush production on a lot of stuff." Disney has given us permission to go back and reshoot and fix everything that was rushed during COVID. Yeah, Disney is now acknowledging that they're going to take a bath on the next couple of Marvel movies. And I've just kind of said, all right, they may as well not suck critically as well as financially. Well, by the, by Dr. Strange doesn't come out until next May by, by then provided we don't, I mean, as I'm saying this, Japan's closing its borders due to Omicron and Unicron well, and Galvatron and for, everything else on. coming down the line. For where's, the record, Lur, where's Lur and Adinda? For the record about Omicron, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be as um, deadly as the Delta variant was. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still a new strain and it's still going to cause problems. And I'm not trying to down... I'm, I am not... Please, YouTube, don't, don't flag this for anything. <laughs> I am not saying it's nothing. I'm saying all available evidence at the moment, and that might change in the future. Omicron mm-hmm. is a milder variant than some of the variations. I, either way, you don't, past. you know, we're all, I, I read it on The Economist today, because I'm fancy, that um, I'm a smarty. With your flats that, of wine. <laughs> <laughs> that um, there, there's, all to, there's a lot of evidence that 2022 will be, you know, severely less impacted by the covid uh virus than obviously the previous two years but that doesn't mean it's it's over and you and again we all look clearly with the way that movies were rolled out over the summer the, the conventional wisdom was we'll be fine when they made those decisions and it turns out we weren't fine so you know by the turns time out. so l- l- presuming we don't have another variant issue causing a rise in, in um in uh, covet outbreaks 
Doctor Strange, by the time it comes out in May, should be okay. I mean, I'll even venture to guess well, look, how well Spider-Man does. I swear and, to God, if this billion. video gets flagged, I'm pointing fingers at the two of you. <laughs> look, <laughs> and look, here's my here's my only. Vaccinated. See, we're fine now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, please look. If unless you have a serious medical condition that oh contract that contra look, I'm going to be honest about that. There are people who can't. That's why everyone else should. I understand that, but I was I was just making a joke. I. Uh, yeah, but Mark, this is one of those things you can't joke about on the internet. Uh, fair enough, Robert. Or Mark, I know that we're live, but do you think you could go through and just chop out these last ten minutes <laughs> to try to save our ass? Um, uh, I, have, I don't know. Am I getting texts from Sean saying that we violated community standards? Well, not yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's coming though. Venom uh, dropped from six to ten. Uh, they Bel cannot go away fast enough. Uh, Belfast, which apparently got opened up at a bunch more theaters. Yeah. Um, Drop from nine to eleven. The French Dispatch eight to twelve. Licorice Pizza debuted at number thirteen. Um, not a great opening. Uh, limited theater run though. Yeah, I've heard it's really good. Um, it's on my list of things to review when it goes pivot. Uh, as is Come On, Come On, which uh jumped from eighteen to fourteen and had a uh quick it opened it theaters. opened in a lot more theaters. Yeah. Yeah, uh, say so Mark, you and I are reviewing Belfast. Come on, come on! And what was the third movie you want to discuss? Passing. Yeah, we'll be talking about those a little bit closer to Oscar time. Uh, speaking of which, Spencer, which is already Pivod, um, and that came out the same time as Eternals, which tells you a lot about that movie. Dropped from eleven to fifteen. For the love of money, debuted at sixteen. Ron's gone wrong, which is now streaming on Disney Plus. Uh, dropped. It's not even worth 17. the time on that. Um, Julia um, apparently jumped up in a bunch of theaters and that rose from 24 to 18 something indian uh dropped from 13 to 19 <laughs> to be wow, clear, way to just take the bullet mark <laughs> that that's that's less offensive than whatever he would say if he tried to pronounce that yeah that's not <laughs> happening 12 and then antlers finally at uh drop from 12 to 20 drive my car debuted at 29 riding with fire 33 the incredibly true adventures of two girls in love <laughs> um Debuted at number thirty. You don't even have to change the title for the parody. <laughs> and uh, Robert's favorite movie of this year, I Need You Dead, uh, debuted at number thirty-seven. Like Otherwise known as what he w probably whispers under his breath every time we he starts recording one of these shows. No, I quote the great Ed O'Neill in Finding Dory, and that is "Suck it, bipeds." Okay. Um, the world which I still, which still cracks me up every time I, if I rewatch that movie when the octopus gets into the car and starts driving, he goes around a couple of humans just suck at bipeds. All right, so worldwide, um, no, no major changes here. Uh, Battle of Lake Shangene is number one. High Mom is number two. No Time to Die is currently the highest-grossing movie, uh, domestically made in the world. At 755 million, uh, F9, the second, is uh, 726. Detective Chinatown comes in at number five. Um, this might be the first year in forever, if, if ever, where the top five was not, A, there's no Disney in the top five. B, it's mostly uh, Chinese movies. Well, we've Spider-Man has a chance to make a run at that. but There is no way Spider-Man is going to make that much in the three weeks before it's, the end of the year. No, yeah, yeah, hang on, that, that doesn't it matter. Does, whatever it does make is counted for the 2021 yeah. release year. Okay, it, It's counted by the year it came out, not the year. Not so the year like, not every the year there was a Star Wars movie that came out in December. It All of that went. It ended up being like one of 
close to the number one movie of the year. Same thing with Lord of the Rings, even though it made most of its money in the following year. Yeah, but if you look at the Battle of Lake Shanjin and the and the way that the Chinese government has been pushing that to the point that I'm actually wondering if people are being forced out of their homes at gunpoint <laughs> to go buy a ticket to that movie. Might be. Speaking of commu- uh, violating community Speaking standards. of getting us in trouble on the internet. <laughs> well, um, if you two are going to open your big fat mouths, I might as well do the well, same. I, fair enough. Well, uh, hang on. My point about my point about Spider-Man was not that it was going to make a run at number one, but that it would it it might make a run for the top five. Look, I'm going to go ahead and, and make a bold prediction that it's the only movie this year that does make a billion. I mean, this is doing this has got endgame buzz. And while I'm going to try to resist the urge to yell and scream at people that stop cheerleading movies, I can't deny this one. I mean, has people like, I here's what I'll say about Spider-Man and I'm just going to leave it at this. I hope everyone's expectations are met or even exceeded. I am frightened. It's not, there's not going to be enough of the other two Spider-Men in this to satisfy people. And people are going to leave the theater angry that it wasn't like, Toby Maguire, Andrew uh, Garfield, and Tom Holland for the entire two and a half hour run of this thing. And it's like, it's clearly not going to be, assuming they are even in the movie. And we don't know that for sure just yet. Um, so you're putting your money on a possible Mephisto style backlash. Yeah, I would bet the house on it. And I and I and my heart can't take it, Alexis. It just can't. Lord, I've been through too much of, this year. Speaking of things you bet the house on. Mm-hmm. Didn't we bet about Eternals not cracking the top ten? And you, yes, Chris me? Bailey, we did. And I've already said when it gets to forty-five days and it doesn't make five hundred million, I will publicly say I'm sorry. Hang on, oh, Siri, wait, wait, wait. You bet with him, and all you bet was getting him to apologize. God, you weakling. No, no, no. no. That's what Chris Bailey bet with yeah. him. That that was the bet about getting this getting to five hundred million. A few weeks ago, when we were doing this segment, I told Mark I don't think Eternals cracks the top ten. For the year, mm-hmm. and he said, "You're crazy. Let's bet." Oh, what did I? Did I? I don't remember that part. So, did know. you two put down anything besides your? Pride? No, because I don't remember that happening. I no, might have. I, I might have said, I, "I think you're crazy," but I, you know, but then left it at that. Okay, I don't know. A- we, am I the only person that starts bets on this network and actually wagers something other than ego? Surely, shut up, you Mary. Probably me, okay? <laughs> but I had to let you out of it because you cried hard about it. I did not cry hard enough. I was grateful when you said no, but I did not cry. Hell, I even told you I'd still be willing to do a source material on the book. Okay. I keep my word when I say when I lose a bet. Uh, Venom, let there be carnage comes in at number six at 469 million. Talk about overperforming um, relative to expectations in the year of COVID uh, in our Lord. Get Godzilla versus Kong knocked all the way down to seven. Oh, you poor bastard. You poor hey, early. Kind of surprise that came out this year. It feels like it came out so much longer ago. It, does. it really feels no, like it was I, a decade ago. I, forgive me for disagreeing. This year has flown by. Shang-Chi coming in at number eight, surpassing Black Widow. And Dune rounding out the top 10 at number, uh, rounding out the top 10 at 10. I honestly um, figure Dune, I, I, I honestly think Dune will be higher on that. We were talking for a while in the last couple of shows how when Dune got overseas early release, how much money that thing raked in before mm-hmm. it went domestic. I am putting, I'm putting my money down now that Dune is going to be higher up at the end of this. I'll say it's only uh, okay, got about so- 6 million to go to pass Black Widow. Eternals might crack the top ten, depending on how the next weekend goes. It's not staying there. Like by the by the time it's all said and done okay. for twenty twenty. Well, moving into the last bit of the money here, um, here here's the problem. There, uh, this week there's nothing unless you're like me and you need to go see Wolf because you fancy. Uh, but then after that, you've got West Side Story, 
Um, that comes out December 10th. And then, as I've said a million times, I, I feel like already. Yeah, there's, there's Spider-Man there's, there's, there's and Spider-Man. Nightmare Alley. Right. Who cares about Nightmare Alley? I mean, we're going to review it and I'm going to see it. But it might, you know, yeah, I'm a Del Toro this, fan. Okay. I got to say something. I'm in, actually be I'm in the actually, shadow of Spider Man. I saw the trailer for Nightmare Alley finally. I'm quite looking forward to that. I Much more, to, I'll see them both happily. I am looking forward to that a lot more than I am Spider Man for a variety and then of reasons. Short, and then no sooner than does Spider Man come out, but then you've also got the Kingsman, Sing that, 2, and the, the King, Matrix. Okay. I'm going to throw this out there. I think the Kingsman's going to bomb. I don't disagree with you, but, you know, here's the thing. I'm not necessarily suggesting that it's going to do well or anything like that, but it's yet another... We're talking about what gets in Eternal's way of it getting to the top 10, um, and every single one of the movies that I just said, you know, is competition for Eternals in some way, shape, or form. Every one of those movies. West Side Story all the way to Sing 2. Every one of those movies... Didn't American Underdog get delayed? No, that's out. That's coming out. Well, because I remember you asking if we should review that or West Side Story. And I was the one that said, let's review West Side Story because I don't know the sports ball with Kurt Mm -hmm. Warner. And then I also said, this is a Steven Spielberg's first ever musical. So I thought that would get bigger news. Mm -hmm. What you just listed there, American Underdog was was nowhere on that list. I I thought they were coming out at the same time. It, it, It is. Mark just ignored it. Yeah, I, I didn't there. see it on the list. Because oh, it is. It's, um, it's still set for Christmas. It, yeah, it's it's listed for. It's actually it's listed for December twenty fifth. Oh, yeah, like the it's Journal for Jordan Christmas. and the tragedy of Macbeth. All right, uh, so that yeah, is the for, money. For the record, about Underdog. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always get this guy's name wrong, but Levi Zachary or Zachary Levi. Zach Levi. Mm-hmm. That that guy's a chameleon. <laughs> Like he, I saw him on screen and went and like I did not recognize him with, as I saw him on screen for that role. Like looking forward to seeing him in uh, Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Yep. All right, let's go ahead and do our final segment of the evening. Are you ready? No, I said. This segment is brought to you by Grammarly, which every good reviewer could use. For you listeners of Damn You Hollywood on Rattlers and Broadcasting Network, brought to you by W2M. Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To so download Grammarly today... Go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, it's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. All right, everybody loved this movie. There's nothing to talk about here. Plugs. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, we have a 92% from the critics and a 93% from the audience. The critical consensuses and Canto setting and cultural perspectives are new for Disney. But the end result is the same. Enchanting, beautifully animated, fun for the whole family. Look, uh, now send us that check, Disney. Pretty much, like I, I, I'm perfectly fine with this movie being positively reviewed. We gave mm-hmm. it a positive review. 
but the effusive praise seems a bit much. Say, even the things that we nitpicked about, again, are nitpicks. The thing, no, there is nothing in this movie that we have cited that we didn't like that would we think would stop should stop you from seeing this movie if you want to. Nope. Uh, Kyle Smith of National Review. A thin story, dull characters, endlessly regurgitated gags, and a general air of pointlessness dog this fantasy about life in an enchanted house in an unspecified Latin country. There, okay. You moron. <laughs> it says wow. Columbia that's, in the background they, on one of the they, signs. That's from the National Review. It's not fat guy at the movies. That's National Review saying They that. literally walk by a... Like, during the opening musical number, written on the, one of the walls of a house is Columbia. Yeah. You ingrate. <laughs> How stupid can you be? Well, I really, like, like I know we rag on a lot of these periodicals, but I, you would think the National Review of all things would not make something, not make as clumsy a mistake as that one. You'd think, and yet. <laughs> um... Ernesto Diaz Martinez of Cine Vertigo. Too bad this was Disney's 60th animated movie, a story written under the guidance of the most conventional algorithm and eight perfectly forgettable songs. Wow. Okay, hang on. Hang on. I think he's being a bit unfair to the actual craft that went into it. That said, he's not wrong about the songs. Knew you were going to say that. And he's not entirely wrong about... (laughs) the disney algorithm either i i disagree with his conclusion but he's not spouting nonsense about how he arrived there robbie collin of daily telegraph uk top critic red star inarguably it's an out and out delight what is inarguably inarguably no possible no possible merits to the contrary it is what does an out and out delight mean i don't get that that's a that's a bit more of a british phrase it just means like uh you sure about um, that? I mean, I lived in Britain for a while. I've never heard that before. I've heard it more from British people than from others, so for whatever that's worth. Sean Collier of Pittsburgh Magazine. That fine periodical. Ultimately, it's just another by-the-numbers Disney flick. Uh, I'm not... Hang on. Like, how far are we abstracting this to get to that point? Because... There's plenty of stuff that this. There's plenty of non-traditional Disney stuff that goes on here. I think like, we demonstrated through the course of the conversation, it was actually very much different from the actual t- typical Disney fair. Like again, how again? How big of an abstraction are we talking here to take a shot at Disney? Just because you're from Pittsburgh and your miserable football team has conditioned you to take unfair shots at other people. Christopher Lloyd of the film Yap doing it doesn't work not, that way. Not that Christopher Lloyd. No, no, it's not. Uh, Disney's latest animated outing is full of bright colors and energy, but the songs by Lynn Manuel Miranda are surprisingly flat, and the movie's internal logic falters. The okay. internal logic of the movie with the magic house. Hold on, ju- hold on, just a second here. I'll give. I said I'll give you the songs. I'll, I'll grant that there's a variety of reaction to that. Like fair enough. That's a. I don't know where this movie's internal logic falls apart on <laughs> yeah. any, like at all. They they use the softest of magic in the general sense, and then give the characters hard abilities. I don't know where this would fall apart uh, if we're talking about the internal, just, just purely the internal consistency. That doesn't make sense at all. No. Frank Sweetek of One Guy's Opinion. Only one man's opinion. 
A pleasant but overloaded tail that works diligently to be enchanting, but never manages to be much more than serviceable. Someone was just grumpy as hell. <laughs> I think he's reaching. That said, look, if this movie cut three characters, would anyone have noticed? Eh, depends on which three we're talking about. I, I just mean like in, in general, if you pick... Again, if we excluding the two most important characters, mm -hmm. if we shave off a few others, might some of the others have had more time to shine and develop? Maybe so. I I can see a little bit that point, but well, Mark uh, Dudge Thick of Mark Reviews Movies agrees with you. The formulaic elements that filmmakers the filmmakers do embrace eventually overwhelm a bit too much of that story is hard. Well, that's kind of what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Like, the heart of this story is the family learning to love each other and powers be damned, but the but the formula demands that we have powers. <laughs> we have magic. And look, I've said this before. There's a reason every bit of merchandise related to Beauty and the Beast features all of the castle occupants in their transformed form, not their human forms. Uh, Roger Moore, Robert Winfrey's father of Movie Nation. Not my father. Says, Disney's Coco and Netflix's Vivo. Had it all over Encanto. He is Vigo. Like the buzzing of flies to him. Sorry, Vivo. Had it all over Encanto in terms of story, heart gags, and music. This film looks finished but plays as we're still working story kinks out. I, well, I don't think any of us are going to argue that Coco was way better than Encanto. Sure. In but, every, hang on. In every way. But that's like saying that this crayon is brighter than that crayon. It's like yeah, it's better, but that doesn't mean Encanto is bad. So I read the Hollywood Reporter as much as well as Variety. Shut up, Robert. And uh, you know, and Deadline. I, I don't know why you choose to put yourself through that, but what you do in your own time is your own business. News is news. It's different from editorials. So news. you say, look. I, then why do you read Variety? <laughs> but um, I bring that up because David Rooney of the Hollywood Reporter, top critic, writing for one of the one of the industry's top periodicals. Disney's, Disney's Encanto is, well, enchanting. Look, give back your paycheck, sir. I, I just... <laughs> what the hell are we doing here? I expect... Look, I expect be better of people who are writing in industry periodicals. That's... That, that, like, that, that's fat guy at the movie stuff, not Hollywood Reporter stuff, for God's sakes. They're the same thing at this point, and that's what you need to reconcile, Mark. That is what makes me sad. Um, Peter Bradshaw of Guardian, top critic. This is flavorless, unsatisfying film. This is not a flavor. Hold on. Of all the things, of all the complaints you can levy at this film, and there are some, flavorless is not one of them, sir. Not Agreed. at all. Um, and I am yeah, out somebody just doesn't like uh, Central American food. <laughs> I mean, neither do I, but I can still acknowledge that the movie had flavor. All right. Um, I think that's. Yeah, I'm, out, I'm out of rotten reviews here. That's not even and, Central America. Colombia is straight up South America. True. And the last couple of positive reviews here are all, you know, they're fine. They're not. They're, they're not worth calling out for being poorly written or anything. So, all right, that is our review of Encanto. Tomorrow is uh, Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. There's no money to talk about, but we will at least address it. And then we're going to jump right into yelling and screaming about Ridley Scott, which will be fun. Um. Uh, sure, it will. <laughs> Look, 
I've been saying for years, the man's talent over the last little bit has fallen off dramatically. Y'all just finally catching up. Y'all. Sorry, some of us have been have caught on to this since Hannibal. Y'all. Some. I live in Utah. Those slip out on occasion. What do you want from me? <sighs> All right, cowboy. He lives in Florida. I live in Missouri, and you still say y'all more than either of us. That's true. Again, All right, y'all. I live. Um, I live on the other side of the Rocky Mountains. What do you want from me? So, if there's one thing Robert loves, is his MMA. So, we are specifically doing a triple feature based on that. Halle Berry, Halle Berry starred and directed in an MMA movie called Bruce, which just debuted Oof. on Netflix. So, we Oof. formed an entire triple feature around that including Born a Champion, which came out, I think, like January or February of this year, and Warrior, which came out a decade ago. Um, so we'll talk Mark, about those Wednesday night. Mark, I, I need you to do me a favor. Remind me of an actor whose accent has wandered a lot on film. <laughs> okay. Do you um, me in The Perfect Storm? That was a good one. Just, just one of the ones that we've harped on, because okay. I need an appropriate comparison to Anna the Taylor Joy in New Mutants. True. Uh, I just need an appropriate comparison to how inconsistent the facial damage on Halle Berry is throughout Bruised. Okay. It, it wanders like those accents. It's Her black eye is there in one scene. It's not in the next. <laughs> it's a, a third, mess. Uh, Alexis Hannah will be back on Thursday. We'll be reviewing Animaniac Season 2. And then Ronnie Adams will be uh, joining us once again as we review uh, Why the Last Man. And then Friday, uh, <laughs> we have... We have a pair of, because I because I said so. That's why. Um, I, I just had to make the terrible joke, Mark. Everyone oh, made it. it. Um, we'll be re-releasing two of our old Volbeat reviews because Volbeat's releasing a new album, Servant of the Mind. So we'll be releasing uh, Seal the Deal and Let's Boogie, which we enjoyed, and Rewind, Replay, and Rebound, which sent Jesse into the woods to live <laughs> deliberately. It was so he bad. didn't. He, neither of you liked that one. <laughs> Um, and then Saturday, Al Sedano and Jesse Starcher will be talking Stars and Stripes Volume 2, uh, which is the uh, the old Stargirl series. And then on Sunday night, um, myself and this here, Robert Winfrey, will be doing commentary for Javante Davis, good old Tank Davis, versus Isaac Cruz. Javante Davis might be saying, hey, Cambodos, you chump. I'm going to flatten you, and I'm a better boxer than Teofimo Lopez, so let's do that. And he might try to become the unified lightweight champion. We covered the Teofimo Lopez fight and all of its disastrous glory. Hang uh, on, hang on. When we say disastrous, that's only for Teofimo Lopez. The fight was good. George yeah. Cambosos had a crowning moment. No, it was a fantastic fight, but it was a disaster for Portillo. Have you um, have you seen some of the stuff that's come out after that fight? I, I've been listening to many podcasts talking about it today. Uh, about what that what that poor guy's personal life? What state that poor guy's personal? Yeah, life? Yeah, I, I, like, I follow. I started listening to the Sunday Puncher podcast, which kind of documented it all. It's it's pretty bad. In any yeah, case, that, um, it's almost no wonder he performed as badly as he did when you look at the hurricane around him. Yeah. Uh, myself, Jason Teasley, and Patrick Mullen decided to forego serious alcohol and just. <laughs> <laughs> just have a conversation about you season two it was well and I, done and look there's a reason that your you season one is going to have done a lot more views than you season two when it's all said and done you ain't kidding uh and then lastly and then i'll, I'll be done with my blogs and i'll pitch it over to alexis speaking of which okay. uh she and uh jesse hosted oh, no. disney trivia which aired uh this past sunday my wife was on it david wright was on it um zachary strobel and justin lowe is a friend of jesse's they were all on. They had fun. We're doing another trivia this month. Uh, Alexis can talk a little bit more about that. Um, but it'll be Christmas themed because all the answers have to be Dominic the Italian Christmas donkey. 
And Not with that, thing. and with and with that said, <laughs> Alexis Hanna, do your go ahead and do your plugs. So, so Mark, when Louisa was throwing the donkeys around in Encanto, <laughs> you just like, hey, Dominic. Boy, it's me, a Dominic. <laughs> oh my God, thank you, Robert. I needed that so badly. Oh my God. So, yes, uh, upcoming tripped up trivia. It will be related to Christmas movies. Christmas songs and Wait, Christmas don't traditions. Don't do it, Mark. Don't share the screen. Just don't do it. <laughs> what screen? I don't know what you're talking I about. I know what you're going to do. Just don't. No, it's Because fine. the last time he did it, I threatened to kill him. You keep doing what you're doing. So we're looking for contestants for <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> I don't know what you're stopping for. Keep going. <laughs> That is an ugly picture, Mark. <laughs> I really, get... I really tried to find the most distracting one I could I could find on short such short notice. I don't get paid enough to deal with this shit. You don't get paid at all. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> None of us do. We're working on fixing that. So anyway, if you think you can take us on for Christmas-related trivia, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Let us know. We are looking for contestants. Great way to pimp other projects that you may be involved in. <laughs> what the hell is that? Um, that's Shrek's companion. Good grief. What's up with the lips? Shrek. No, seriously, I'm trying to look. It's like... <laughs> I, I don't know what you're stopping for. What, are you, you know what? Tracking? I'm sending you the link to my shop. You're going to put that up as a way of saying you're sorry for just totally screwing me over with this. <laughs> sending you the link now, you jerk. What am I supposed to do now? Put up her. Put up the link to Alexis's store. To Honeysuckle Rose Creations is a way of saying you're sorry for derailing my brain this badly while I'm trying to promote one of it's our so, shows. Don't slave your attention deficit disorder on me. Yeah, but it's so damn easy, Mark, and you know it. When you exacerbate it, it is your fault. Actually, yes. Thank Ugh. you. Whatever. Look, so the fact that I'm a rock that can just power through your shenanigans does not mean everyone else is. So, yes, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter if you want to play Christmas trivia. We're going to have a lot of fun. Again, this is a great way to promote other projects you might be involved in. One of the, our previous contestants, Zachary Strobel, uh, was on there also talking about his uh, children's books that he has written and published under Tallinn Books, uh, which are also really great. Highly recommend those. And, yes, my own personal plug so that I can pay the bills and keep the lights on. Honeysuckle Rose Creations, where fashion meets fandom but the intersection of geek and chic. Mark, thank you for throwing out the link to my Etsy shop. We are currently in our uh, Black Friday Cyber Monday sale. Everything in our shop is 20% off. And you know what? We're going to actually extend it one more day. If you didn't, not, if you were not able to get your computer uh, just yet, then go ahead and check us out tomorrow. Tomorrow being the 30th of November. Everything in both Etsy and on our Etsy shop and our handmade at Amazon shop is still going to be 20% off. Um, Mark, <laughs> scroll. Uh, sorry. Scroll. I'm working on it. He put up a different Chiron is all, and that's what he's been doing for the last five minutes. 
so yes, there's just some of the things that we've been selling uh, right there at the top are some of our most popular items. Our third journal Scrabble tile earrings for Gravity Falls fans. Our bracelets made from clue tokens. I can barely keep those in stock. Uh, but getting a ton of ores for our wire wrap dice. Uh, just if you know somebody and you're looking for a gift for your geeky friends and loved ones, we're the perfect shop for you. Uh, again, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is uh, Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic. All right. As for myself, um, before I do my plugs, let me just uh, get serious for a moment here. Uh, as we close out the month of November here on the Rattletch and Broadcasting Network, a subgroup of the W2M Network, uh, we've had our most successful month pretty much ever uh, this last month. Uh, we've cracked the 2,000 audio podcast audio listens uh, for those of you do purely on the podcast side of things. So, and that's the best we've done again, uh, pretty much since we've merged over. Uh, basically, is uh, is this last month. So. I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you to everyone who's continued to listen to our shenanigans and our nonsense. Uh, old fans, new fans, people who use us to put their kids to sleep at night. I don't care. I thank you all very, very much. Um, anyone who's uh, been watching us live on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch when we go live over there, thank you all very, very much for that as well. It's been very successful. We are still continuing to try and grow the brand. So anything that you all can do to help, uh, anything uh, you know, like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a stranger, tell an enemy, and that'll cover pretty much everyone. Uh, we we help, we appreciate it all, and we thank you very much in advance for all of that. I cover professional wrestling three days a week over at 411mania.com. I actually have to do AEW's Dark Elevation once we're done here. MLW stuff on Wednesday, WWE stuff on Friday, and whatever the UFC is doing on Saturday, the, the UFC stuff would be in the MMA zone. This week, there's UFC on ESPN 31, headlined by Jose Aldo and Rob Font in a great bantamweight fight. Very much looking forward to that one. Surprised to see a lot of people picking Rob Font, but who knows? He might pull it out. That's uh, a good fight. So if you want to hear my breakdown of that fight in more detail, as well as the rest of that card, I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast on Sunday evenings. Uh, this last week was a look, was a preview of UFC on ESPN 31, and my thoughts on some of the boxing matches from the last week. In particular, Teofimo Lopez and George Cambosos Jr., which Mark referenced as we covered it, and Stephen Fulton Jr., I think Jr., and Brandon Figueroa, who had a barn burner of fight a fight. of the year contender. Contender, not the fight of the year for my money. Contender. But, yeah, definitely one of the five best, um, pretty easily. Uh Great fight, 12 rounds, crazy pace, tons of infighting, uh, heck of a fight. And Figueroa, uh, Figueroa probably, he made noise about, noise about wanting a rematch, but with his frame, I imagine he's just going to move up to 127, I think, is the, is, uh, the, the One might even say way. that Brandon Figueroa's fight with Stephen Fulton was a heartbreaker. It's funny because that's uh, Brandon Figueroa's nickname, for those of you who don't know. Yep. It's even funnier when you have to explain it to people. I know. I appreciate you re you uh, reaching me on that level of comedy. So if you're interested in finding some of my other stuff, you can find me there. Mark mentioned the two other po movie podcasts we'll be doing the rest of this week. I'll see you for Raccoon City, and I'll see you for Bruised slash Born a Champion slash Warrior. The, the quest for a truly great MMA movie continues. Uh, the closest we've gotten is Warrior. 
over a decade old. All right, folks, thanks for joining us here on on uh, Dominic the Italian Christmas Donkey's favorite podcast. You know the Andy second Hollywood. <laughs> the second best MMA movie is probably that stupid comedy with Kevin James. Here comes the boom. Probably. Um, thank you for joining us here on our review of Encanto for Robert Winfrey, Alexis Haina, I'm Mark Rattledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.